Hola, ¿cómo estás? Estoy muy bien, gracias. Thanks. I'm good. <laughs> His Spanish is way better than mine. He sounds fluent. Uh, and you used to work down there for the government. True. Or as they say, es la verdad. <laughs> yep. That's the truth. I want to uh, draw attention away from Ukraine for five seconds over to what these neocons and their allies are churning up for the next disaster. And I have a really short clip to play from uh, some of the Republican uh, presidential hopefuls. Let's get into that. Yes, we're going to use lethal force. Yes, we reserve the right to operate. I would use the U.S. military, if necessary, to annihilate the Mexican drug cartel. And it's now time for America to wage war on the cartel. Hooray, let's invade Mexico. How's that going to play out? <laughs> yeah. Flat, uh, I call that the flat learning curve. So uh, when, we, when we set up my company, Berg Associates, uh, 1998. Uh, one of my partners at the time was uh, Roberto Nieves, Bobby Nieves. Bobby had been chief of international operations in DEA. He is the one that came up with, proposed, and was involved with the, the end of the Kingpin program. And the Kingpin program was predicated on, we're going to identify the most important traffickers, and we're going to take them out. And if we take them out, That'll cause this whole drug cartel structure to collapse. Well, uh, what, what we learned through the process of that, what Bobby learned, was that when you take these guys out, it's like hitting mercury with a hammer. It, instead of it collapsing, it scatters off into 100 different pieces, and each piece then becomes, it's, uh, you know, animates. So uh, instead of dealing with one cartel, you take out one, then you all, all of a sudden have created five more. So the, you know, that's number one. Number two, particularly along the Mexican, U.S.-Mexican border, these cartels are so heavily integrated with uh, U.S. businesses, members of Congress, U.S. law enforcement, U.S. judicial system. I know specifically of one member of Congress who has a sister who's a federal judge who has a brother who is the local sheriff and they're involved with taking money from one of the drug cartels. Uh, and so they're getting, they're getting indirect payoffs through a guy that runs uh, a business on the border, um, duty free, but uh, they're taking drug money. And is that known. the weakness of the giant? Like we have all the security and all the, you know, this massive military, but what's to stop, a cop or someone, a border patrol person from just, Hey, they hand him 10 grand, turn around, look the other way. It seems so easy. The salaries are pretty low and it seems like, I mean, you look at how bad Congress is yeah. bribes go a long way. If you can bribe well, you, the, the people who are supposed like, same way you want to get on an airplane. Hey, just bribe the ramp crew. You can get whatever you want on an airplane, drugs, weapons, whatever. Because uh, all that security doesn't matter because the people who are supposed to be checking it are vulnerable um, to cash. Well, as, as my friend Bobby told me, when he first joined DEA, he was pulled aside by one of the old guys. And the old guy asked him a question. He goes, what's your number? And Bobby goes, what? He goes, what's your number? What, how much do you, do you want in order to sell out? And Bobby said, oh, what do you mean? And the guy goes, look. 
you're going to be offered bribes. So what you need to do is you need to sit down and say, okay, my salary is X amount. So if I get caught and I'm going to go away for 20 years, my salary times 20, and then times figure out what is the hardship for being in prison. And then, so he went through this elaborate calculation. And he says, so you come up with a number. And if that number is $15 million, okay. So that if somebody comes and tries to bribe you, and they're paying you anything less than $15 million, you tell them to go screw off. But if it's $15, $15 million or more, eh, you take it. <laughs> you know, so... That's uh, there has to be sort of that calculus in mind that the, the drug cartels have an enormous amount of cash. Uh, a lot of the cash is not even captured by normal economic statistics like gross domestic product, gross national product. Yeah, it's all black so, market. Yeah. yeah, there's the the whole black market, gray market area is just really not even well understood by the uh, economic authorities in the United States and in the world. They have pirate maps down there burying money in the sand. I imagine some of it would be hard to launder in a bank. Like they have nowhere to put it or maybe oh, they've no. established ways to, to move it now. That used well, to be I a give, problem. I, I'll give you an example. I mean, the, any, just however creative you can be, you can always come up with a new way. So for example, I was, uh, one of the banks in Panama asked me to conduct an investigation. Two guys, one was a Spaniard, one was Ukrainian. And they had a bank account on Cyprus. So these two guys had a website. They were selling soap online. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never necessarily logged on to the Internet to go buy some soap. But these guys claimed that they, they had a website. You could go there. It was priced you know, accordingly. So I said, huh. I said, get me, let's get a, let's get a month worth of the credit card transactions. So as I started looking at the credit card transactions, I realized they all had the same bank identification number. In other words, in indicated they came from the same bank. Well, we looked up that bank, and it was the international bank that was located in Texas all along the Texas-Mexico border. And so I started calling the people on the list. They had I had their name, phone number, address, Social security number. I had all the data. It was on, you know, in the spreadsheet. Uh, the first lady I called didn't answer initially. And then she called me back and goes, why are you using my married name? And I go, well, excuse me. I said, I'm, I'm a customer service rep for soap online and just want to make sure you're happy with your purchase. She goes, I've been divorced three years. I haven't used that name for, since then. And I didn't buy any soap online. And so as I continued down the list, I discovered that uh, of all the data, sometimes the email would be wrong. Sometimes the address would be wrong. There's always like one error. It was never perfect. Uh, and so what we figured out, it happened. These were all debit cards. So the drug traffickers had gone into this bank officer and the, the guy at this bank who was in charge of issuing debit cards, they bought $2 million worth of debit cards and they paid him $2.5 million because they can take the hit. So this way mm -hmm. they had the debit cards. They paid him $500,000. 
Then the bank's making money off of selling the debit cards. Uh, and then they, they, they would sell their soap. They would record these false numbers on these debit cards that they controlled. That money then would get deposited temporarily in the bank in Panama. It would clear, and then it was sent off to a bank in Cyprus. Just one way. I mean, we, we can go over way after way after way. Uh, recently on the Outer Banks, uh, they were they would open like a cash business car wash or something like that and then mm -hmm. claim it's way more successful than it was. And then yeah. say, this this explains how we got all this cash. And at the same time, they're working in um, motels. That's like all that's down there on beaches. And they would do, they would scam people where they would uh, rent a room but not put it in the books. If it was ever anybody paid in cash, that would just go right in their pocket. And then they would mark it as rented, even though it isn't. And then they could still rent that room to someone else later mm -hmm. um, sometimes. But sometimes they didn't. So it'd be marked on the cleaning sheet to be cleaned. But no one was in there, allegedly, although they had rented it. They pocketed the cash. They got caught because of that. They were also doing um, chargebacks on all these credit cards they had from like every extended family member in their family where they would... Um, do a refund to a customer's card, but they'd refund themselves instead of the motel and mm -hmm. constantly doing that and pile up this cash. And then they would explain their purchases when they get a brand new truck, paying off a house, say, Oh, we, we're, we're pulling in 90,000 on our car wash business. And, and we're opening another one, cash businesses and laundromat, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or herbal life is another example that they've used. I, I mean, we did an investigation of that and, discovered they had several links to uh, people that were involved with uh, narcotics trafficking. And it's like, uh, uh, <laughs> and, and because of Israelis yeah, <laughs> selling well, soap and zoom copters in the mall. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's a cash business. If you, you sell drinks out of a carton, it's very easy to disguise it. So but my only point is the cartels are extremely creative and they're very, they are incredibly reactive to pressure and to market conditions. They understand they are the, they're the best market predictors better than anybody on Wall Street, I guarantee you. Because they they're all about the money, making the money and they've got a stronger incentive. You know, on Wall Street you screw up, they might fire you. You screw up with these guys over money, they'll kill you. Mm. And they'll kill members of your family probably too. And they won't so, kill you just by a bullet in the head, sometimes worse. Oh no. Yeah, they'll make mm. If it's if you're if it's really egregious on your part, you're gonna you're gonna suffer uh, quite a while before you succumb. So uh, the, the United States is not equipped uh, under its current approach to fight these guys because we've got so many drug users on this side. The demand always will drive the supply, and nobody answers the question that you know, you, how are we going to conduct cross-border military operations when the government of Mexico has its own army deployed over there. And I always wondered what they blame China for the fentanyl or the fentanyl precursor. And then Mexico, I guess, turns it into fentanyl. It's very easy to smuggle in. It's just a liquid. So easy to put somewhere. But well, yeah, I don't well, see it all over Korea and Japan and they're right next to China. How come the fentanyl isn't all over uh, these countries? You don't, you don't have the same drug demand uh, in those countries that you do in the United States. I, I mean, we, why. we saw, for example, um, so we were, we were called to investigate uh, this aluminum importer. And it turned out this company in China had been sanctioned uh, 
was no longer allowed to import aluminum into the United States. So what, what the Chinese did is they went and uh, cut a deal with the Knights Templar, one of the drug cartels in, in Mexico. So they were getting these, these big, big bullets of uh, aluminum, bringing them into Mexico. Uh, they were then restamping them as made in Mexico and shipping them into the United States under NAFTA back then uh, because they got it was duty-free from Mexico. Mm-hmm. So uh, in exchange, uh, the, Knight, the, the, the Knights Templar were given aluminum that they were making uh, the chassis of firearms, uh, you know, the, the uh, receivers. And so, <laughs> you know, it's just the, there is ample cooperation. There's ample evidence of cooperation between the Chinese uh, and and the drug cartels, both in Mexico and Colombia, the the evidence in, in Hong Kong is that there are several bars. I had a a buddy of mine who was a FedEx pilot that flew the route, and he frequented these bars that uh, were known to have some uh, local female entertainment. And he came back reporting that uh, all the bar girls were from Colombia. Now, how do you get Colombia bar girls into a bar in Hong Kong? It's not like they save up and say, oh, we're yeah. going to all go to Hong Kong at the same time. It was, it was they were being trafficked. And, uh, you know, the, the Colombian ladies had some appeal. So the bar that, was probably this, a side job. This, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder, too, they so built this, this wall. They spent millions of dollars on this wall. And it doesn't look like the wall that we paid for that annexes a piece of Palestine for Israel. It's like a fence with all these slots in it. And like, well, yeah, a person yeah. can't fit through the slot. <laughs> like a kid might, but an arm can. So you could just go to some remote place in the wall, pass a gun through, pass a package of drugs through, because right. you can reach right through the hole. You don't have to go through if you're just uh, trafficking supplies. <laughs> but why would they build a wall right. with all these holes in it? And there's no way you could do. You can police some remote part of Arizona somewhere. They just drive there in a jeep. And they can just pass things right through the wall to someone else on the other side to take it the rest of the way. I mean, it seems idiotic. Like, we need a hole. Why? Why do you need to see through the wall? You can see over the wall. What, what is the right. point in that? Because you're not really trying to stop any of this. Well, the, the, again, there's ways we could stop it if we got serious. And like you said, you point out the wall in, in between Israel and the Palestinians. Uh, it does. It is somewhat effective. Well, I'd point out the wall but, in Israel isn't on the border of Palestine. It cuts into Palestine, but yeah, it is a well, it's yeah, effective yeah, wall. I yeah. guess it's a it's a good wall. We paid for that too. Yeah, I mean, there's none of these walls are hundred hundred percent proof against getting over or under or through. Uh, if man makes it, you know, or as I was a George's Patton that said. God made mountains and oceans and man can overcome what God made. So how in the world do we expect that man cannot overcome what man made? 10 foot wall, 11 foot ladder. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like such a waste. How could we, I mean, it seems like the best way to end the drug problem is to, to culturally not have a demand for like, why no one I ever asked, how come so many people want to get strung out on fentanyl anyway? Well, actually, Ryan, it's simpler than that. Go after the money. All you got to do is go after the money. And that's the problem. The The government, U.S. government always talks about, oh, follow the money. Oh, go get the money. And they never do. Uh, my, my business partner is, is really a genius on this front. And we made repeated recommendations 
uh, on a variety of situations. I mean, we were we were being we were briefing uh, JSOC, the Joint Special Operations Command, back in 2006 when they were going after this guy and Al Qaeda leader in North Africa, Mokhtar Bel Mokhtar. And why why are they going after you know he he was the Al Qaeda leader? Well, how did he make his money? Stolen cars and cigarettes. What cigarettes? Special brand, Marlboro, Philip Morris. So we explained to them, because we had been conducting investigations into uh, how the tobacco companies were cooperating with criminals, terrorists around the world, including Philip Morris. They were especially egregious. And, you know, we couldn't even get the military special operations guys to follow our advice. You know, it was like, why solve the problem, create the problem so you justify your job a little bit longer? Uh, because <laughs> those, those cigarettes... They, it's not like the children of Israel with they wake up in the morning and they go, oh, my God, manna from heaven. It fell from the sky. No, they had to buy it from somebody. And that somebody wanted to get paid. And so then that guy who got paid, he had to get it from somebody. There's, you know, there's a chain of custody. All you got to do is follow that chain of custody and you disrupt that. You cut them off. So that's one way to do it. But the money that's involved with this, U.S. corporations, U.S. banks, U.S. small businesses making a ton of money off of it. They have no incentive to stop the drug traffic. The, the problem Let's I see it. with that is how is Lockheed Martin going to make money if we don't do airstrikes? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Could they, I don't know, cut like monitor the ports from this stuff coming in from, from the sea? The precursor? Well, they already are. They already are, but I mean, it's just... And it's just same the, problem. The, we get bribes. The precursors are coming into Mexico, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and there's really no way to monitor the ports down there. And once it gets in, you know, like I said, the financial the financial incentive to buy it and use it is strong. Um, the disincentive to not cooperate is equally You know, if you say, oh, I'm not going to do this, you'll get killed or you'll get, get replaced. So, you know, it also requires a cultural change. I mean, you're right about here in the United States that if you can do something to reduce the demand, but instead we're, we're becoming bigger on the demand side. And as people use it, the, the cartels are going to supply it. Now, some would argue, oh, well, then let's legalize it. They've even seen with marijuana. Yeah, they legalized marijuana. And all it did for the for the black market guys is it made their job easier. You know, they they no longer had to, they could undercut the price of the legal marijuana because they don't have to worry about filing federal and state tax reports. They don't have to worry about meeting certain requirements. They don't have to worry about limiting sales to people in terms of frequency, age, etc. So, and they could offer you a deal where you're, you're paying cheaper than what you would at the local uh, marijuana dispensary. Was the idea there that there, if it was legal, you'd have more suppliers but it would divide the the revenue so you couldn't be like yeah. a super rich drug dealer anymore right except okay what they didn't but, but they didn't fine, count you now on you have lots of little guys selling it and making a little bit the amount of marijuana doesn't change unless the demand changes well this is it's worse than that uh, a lot of the drug cartels actually came in bought up the land that's being used to cultivate marijuana so they own the land and uh the the small I know a guy dealer, who did that know, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> The small entrepreneurs who thought that they could make a run at it, they don't do enough volume to actually, you know, cover their costs. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, it's just, it's, it's a fantasy world. You know, to get, to sell CBD, you have to own land growing something else as well. It was in some places, but some, yeah, you have to lower the demand. Now I'm, I am for legalizing it. I am for, I'm pro Darwinism. I like, Hey, if you're going to do crack and you're going to do cocaine and all this stuff, go ahead. Like uh, just put the pedal to the metal, end it quicker. But yeah, so, <laughs> because sort, you know, sort. as an adult, not to do fentanyl. Yeah. Well, you know that. Yeah, and, and it's not just fentanyl. People are, are doing fentanyl and combining it with benzos and all this other stuff. It's like an well, oxy that's and the, whatever. That's the problem with it. The It's not being – the guy's mixing it up on the cartel side of the house and, and the, the whole drug trafficking rings. They're not required to put an FDA stamp listing the ingredients on it. So a lot of times people will unwittingly ingest fentanyl-laced drugs, whether it's uh, – uh, you know, methamphetamine or crack or, you know, you, you know, uh, heroin. Uh, so it's just that know, happened people... to the, uh, I won't say their name, but I, there's a particular pro wrestler who I know. And, you know, those guys, a lot of them for a long time on the pain pills and things and got a batch of things laced with fentanyl and a whole, a whole crew of them got all strung out on that. You know, Vince has this wellness policy, but it's like, I mean, they've definitely curved cut back on the drugs from the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, but they still, you know, and uh, yeah, that's what happened to him. And they I've said got a, it was like the worst. I've got, I've got a dead nephew. I mean, he died in the bathroom. That's about uh, 30 feet from me. He was self, he had, he had, accidentally shot himself in the leg because he was mishandling the gun improperly. It shattered his femur. So in the recovery, he had this enormous pain. So he started initially, initially got him on Oxycontin. Great. Uh, we got him off Oxycontin, but then he started self-medicating unbeknownst to me. And he, he was smoking heroin to try to deal with the pain. And he got a batch that was laced with fentanyl, killed his ass. You know, I'm the one that found him. And, you know, just he was he was 38, 39 years old, old mm. enough to know better. And, but that's the other you thing. Know, I mean, he shouldn't smoke heroin either. But it seems like he had like a weird situation where he's, the pain was desperate enough. And the way the American healthcare system is, uh, a lot of people can't afford to do anything otherwise. Yeah. They're like, well, no, I'll buy from the street because I can't I can't pay for this, whatever the oxy, whatever they're giving you. Um, they can't do it. Or shouldn't shoot yourself either, but it's um, man, it's tragic because somebody could be like, okay, I don't want to do fentanyl. I'm only gonna do heroin, and there is a yeah. difference. Well, there, <laughs> there is, is a I difference mean, though, and then you end was, up getting it anyway. Yeah, and it was. I mean, the kid was incredibly talented. He had a lot of ability. He'd run restaurants. He was a full-fledged carpenter. He could do. Uh, Why he's living with me? I, I, I had him put down a new uh, tile shower floor. You know, beautiful work. So, I mean, he really you know, he had a lot of ability, but, you know, this stuff doesn't come with the warning label saying, hey, if you do this, it may kill you. And I know that he was not seeking to, you know, to die, but of course. we caught him. He's seeking so, to live. That's why he's trying to deal with the pain. You should always build something and write a book because that last, shut that. <laughs> I try to avoid my kids coming on the screen because yeah, 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 weirdos, you know, um, I don't blame you. Those will survive your death. So the tile he laid down is still there. 
You know, so yeah. if you write a book or if you build something, it'll last, it'll outlast you. There, I forget which philosopher said that. I think it was Alexander the Great, actually. He's like, you should write and he said, well, you know, write your works and, uh, and build something. He built an empire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't last too long, but hey, at least he built it. Hey, it, it changed the world, though. It's, um, it's odd, though, because, listen, people everywhere, wherever they are in the world, deal with pain. Because I hear all, oh, I needed it. because Koreans have pain. Japanese have pain. People have pain. They have the same exact problems as anybody else all over the world. But they don't go run into drugs. There's something else that makes it more acceptable in the United States where it's like being a victim is cool for some reason. And having pain, it's like currency to be like, oh, my life's so hard. This, 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 this. It's uh, it's this weird thing because like Japanese culture is the exact opposite. It's like that's shameful. Damadeo. Shimete. Sorry. Try different languages. See if <laughs> I'm going to lock that. Just give me one second. We'll play. We'll play uh, Lockheed. Read Martin. Brown producer and proprietor. Patriotic projectile party poppers. Got some up in the brown people making trouble for your empire. Replace them with a charred freighter and a cloud of white smoke. So remember, if your next geostrategic boondoggle's going to ride, don't call us. We'll call you. Love that short commercial. <laughs> Got some uppity brown people. It, it really is. We use that clownish stuff on serious topics because it is this stupid. I mean, yeah. they're talking about, okay, so there's seems to be this fantasy of we'll just blow the <coughs> S out of them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, let's just take the U.S. Air Force and go in and bomb all those fentanyl labs. Just shock and all like uh, Wolf Blitzer pontificated about a rock. Like, we're so mighty. We're going to go blow stuff up it works so well in hollywood yeah. why can't you just uh carpet bomb the bad guys yeah well we we even demonstrated in uh iraq and afghanistan i mean good god we had decided you know uh, extremely clear air supremacy we could bomb whenever wherever we wanted you know that didn't, i think that, that would be the case in mexico too i'm not sure they have any air air defense uh, they they've got some, but they're, they'd be on the quality of Iraq. So, but you know, so, you know yeah. we're not we we can't lay waste to the entire country short of using nuclear weapons. I so, think they're about two and a half times or almost three times the size of Iraq. Uh, yeah. yeah, both in population so, I mean, just, and area. It's just it's it's foolishness because even with all of our military might and power, we, we were not able to vanquish. Af either Afghanistan or Iraq, so you know we need to we need to stop. We, you know we keep. That, that's because they had caves. <laughs> well, there are Mexico's caves. In Mexico. sort of, uh, that's a good example. They're like Iraq and Afghanistan mixed together. It's a very mountainous country, very similar to Japan. It's like seventy-five percent mountains or something, but almost everybody lives in that sort of Veracruz, Mexico City belt, or right up next to Texas, and then yeah. hardly anything in between. But if you've ever looked at a topographical map of Mexico, mountains, trees, like good luck finding a lab on the ground or underground. I mean, in a basement right. under a house somewhere in Mexico City, you're not going to find that. Um, well, not from the air. Plus, they buy, they pay for protection. You know, the, the, the cartels, they, they make sure that they've got political protection. And 
we used to be able to live with the illusion in the United States that, oh, thank God, we don't have that kind of corruption. Right. Tell that mm. to Hunter and Joe Biden anymore. You know, the level well, of there was a big question about the cocaine in the White House, uh, whether it was Hunter's or Kamala's. Yeah. And I said, you know, it was Hunter's because there was some left over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's hey. that degenerate. Everything they accuse Trump of, they're guilty of. And they, they went through all these indictments and impeachments and they accused him of rape. And the woman got on TV and said, rape's not physical. Uh, they spied on his campaign before he even got into office. They did that whole fiasco to sandbag Michael Flynn when all he did was make phone calls to everybody on security thing, whatever. It's just well, he did, national security he did what council. He, was he, he did what he was supposed to do as national security advisor. Well, that was at the really behest of Kushner who did it at the behest of Netanyahu. They wanted them to vote no on condemning Israeli settlements. I thought, why does it matter? Even when the UN condemns Israeli settlements and shakes its finger, nothing happens because there's no consequence to build them. So right. it doesn't but, matter. But it's okay for, you know, again, Flynn was entirely entitled to make those phone calls. He's you the can, incoming yeah. national security <laughs> advisor. We you still know. abstain and it they did vote yes and it did pass and it didn't do anything. They keep building settlements. Yeah. But it, it was just used as a pretext to be like, oh well, one of the places you called was Russia. So, you know, Russian collusion, bro, or whatever. Right. Yeah, they hacked the election. They made there are still people today because of Rachel Maddow and stuff who think the Russians like went in and hacked the machines and changed the votes or something. Like, oh, and Biden's still won, huh? Or yeah. that that they made Hillary lose or something. She's perfectly capable of making herself lose. Everyone hated her. I think a lot of people that voted for Trump were just voting against the machine. They're like, here, this, how can I say F you to the system? I'll vote for Trump. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, in fact, I think that's that's going to be a stronger factor in this next election. You know, well, he's as that clip showed. He wants to go in after the cartels, too. There's a plan B, which is uh, sort of what they do. They've tried this um, Hamas and other places where they just assassinate the leadership. I think you sort of addressed that already yeah. where, well, then it's like smacking mercury. Well, the, Could they put one cartel against another? Or they, they, They've tried that in Syria, right? We'll, we'll pick this gang to fight the other gangs, maybe Sinaloa versus all or something. Well, we did it. You know, we did the, the French did it in Algeria back when they had the the Islamic right. uh, uh, the, 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 the Grupo Islamica, uh, you know, GIA, and they thought, okay, if we kill the leadership, then it will collapse. And in fact, when they killed the leadership, it fragmented. And what they discovered is the leaders they killed had actually been ones offering more restraint trying to keep the hotheads from going wild. So once those guys were dead, then all of a sudden you had three or four new leaders and they were they were really bloody. And then so the violence level went up. So that's, that's sort of that law of unintended consequences. You always think, oh yeah, if we kill these leadership, that'll be better. And look, we got rid of, we got rid of Pablo Escobar. How'd that turn out? We got, we got rid of the, uh, you, you know, the Medellin cartel. El Chapo. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't, you know, this uh, kingpin idea. They got this idea that it's like a pyramid. And like, well, all these guys are only selling drugs because the guy on the top told them to. Like, what a ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, they're all making money. That's why they're doing it. It is all about the money. 
And when you when you find out the number of U.S. corporations that are willingly taking drug money, you know it's it's astonishing. I, I give you an example. I was directly involved with. Um, we got a call from the security director of John Deere, and this is oh, it's been about fifteen years ago, and. He goes, hey, we got something strange. You guys come take a look. So we got there, and what he he was he had what are called third party checks. So these were checks that were made out to John Deere, but they weren't all from the same checking account. They were from like three or four different checking accounts. And when you added the three or four checks up, it was it represented the pride was going into the John Deere traffic or John Deere tractor. Well, what had happened in previous years, the the Kali cartel had a, had a deal where they'd go to a local Colombian family and say, hey, this was back in the early 90s. Mm. How would you like to go to Disney World? Hey, who doesn't want to go to Disney World? All expenses paid, hotel room paid, and their only job, go open up five bank accounts, the husband five, the wife five. And with uh, Latino names... You know, you get the like uh, Garcia, uh, Ramirez yeah. Garcia, or Socorro uh, Esperanza. So you get you know two sort of last names. So when you open an account, you can be Rafael Socorro Esperanza, and then I can be Rafael Esperanza, and Rafael S Esperanza, and Rafael Socorro. So you easily you open up five bank accounts. And when you open up a new bank account, a checking account, you get starter checks. And so they'd get those starter checks. Their, their only job was to open that account. And when they got back to Colombia to go to the, the, the peso broker that worked for the cartel, sign the checks. Don't put any amount down. Don't put a payee down. Just sign the checks. Guy puts it in there. And as soon as the accounts are open, the Smurfs, Los Pitufos, start working. Pitufos are guys that live in Miami and other places. They go around to these stash houses where the cash is stored, pick it up, they'll take it, and they just go make cash deposits, 500000 They always stayed under the reporting level. And gradually over time, those bank accounts build up sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. So they would then write out a check. The guy, if you wanted to buy a tractor in Colombia, your job, your option was, okay, I'm going to have to pay 10 pesos to the national bank to get an official exchange, or I can go to the black market and they're only going to charge me seven pesos. You know what? I go with the seven peso route. So the seven peso guy goes in, does it. He takes out those starter checks, writes John Deere on one, it's $75,000. Another one, it's $80,000. So when we explained this to the security guy at John Deere, he went and told the president. And what did the president of John Deere say? I know. Not my problem. We're <laughs> yeah, taking he's the still money. selling tractors, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're taking the money. So that, that's how U.S. corporations, one way that U.S. corporations enable drug traffickers. I mean, it's so everybody's got, you know, they make money off of it. Everybody up and down the line and it kills Americans. I saw a guy in Tennessee on a John Deere doing an in and out. 
And uh, for those of you who aren't white trash and don't know what that is, he was standing up on a, it was, this is one of those riding mowers, not a tractor. He was a, this one of his riding mowers on deer. He's on a riding lawnmower going to the store and he had like a six pack on the front of it. And he, he was going two miles an hour, maybe kind of had one foot on the wheel and he was standing up drinking a beer and pissing at the same time. That's an in and out <laughs> taking a piss while he's drinking a beer and he had a mullet, no shirt, like camo pants. And I thought, man, this is, this is before social media. I probably would have gotten a video. That, yeah. I said, America. I was like, I said, what brother, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, I'm going to the store to get cigarettes or my wife said she's going to stab me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an excuse. I was in Claxton out in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee to buy a kitten. This is right when um, Craigslist started. Uh-huh. And it was from some cucumber farmer and he was sitting there putting pesticides and he wasn't wearing anything but a pair of gloves and some boots and nothing else. Not, just one eye going that way and all and. His neighbor was Madame Mim, if you know from Sword in the Stone. Yeah. She'd had all these, this is creepy. This is a Halloween story. She had all these baby doll heads. She'd taken off of dolls like cabbage patches and whatever and just impaled them all over like decorations like Dracula or something. And they're weird, man. Some would have like one eye poked out and the hair torn off and all this. And she's in a rocking chair. She looked like Madame Mim, crazy, like purple gray hair going everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And she's like petting this doll over and over again to the, like the hair strands of the doll were in her, like on her palm. And on, she's just going over and over and like, like licks it and then like pets it more. And she gets, she looks at me with her eyes, like popping, like wider than this. And she goes, his name is Jason. I'm like, okay, his name is Jason. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> They're like, go in that house, go in that house. I'm like, I ain't going out. I looked at it and I saw all the heads and stuff. I'm like, nah, this is a serial killer. Probably somebody that lost a child and, and, you know, birth or something and mine went and she collected dolls. But she had, uh, that was one of the creepiest people I've ever seen. And I've seen Pelosi. Like uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It sounds like that first season episode of True Detective. It's like uh, a Rob Zombie film, except these were all real people. Yeah. Yeah. There's this messed up looking dog. It looked like an inbred dog. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's sad, man. <laughs> They're like a dog with Down syndrome. Yeah. If you've uh, ever seen that. It's like they when yeah, they mixed those white tigers over and over and it came up all yeah. funky. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, wow. some weird spots. But yeah, there's endless ways to launder money. There's endless ways. So really, you said go after the money, but I don't know how, like if you can't get U.S. corporations and stuff to comply how that's even feasible. I think changing the demand might be the only way or no, no, you got, you got to start seizing the money uh, and shutting the businesses down. If you're serious about it, you know, so for example, like on the human trafficking front uh, in in Iowa, you got pig farms, chicken farms, turkey farms. Mm -hmm. They're they're bringing in these illegal migrants, paying them if, if they're paying them at all, they're, you know, slave wages, but then they have to, you know, kick back something to the business. So really, it's a, it's a new form of slavery, indentured servitude. Uh, and they're, they're allowed like to get away students. with it. Why? Yeah, because, well, they're, they make big political donations to the state and local authorities. 
Mm. So, you know, they got protection. And, you know, you got to start shutting these guys down. And that's what Epstein was doing. Yeah. He'd create an LLC and they need to donate to the police department through it. It'd be some like science yep. foundation or some, you know, neutral sounding thing. And then he, you know, here's a couple hundred grand to the, to Palm beach police department. Now quit, you know, quit bothering with my trafficking operation. Uh, so bombing them isn't going to matter. Now, unfortunately there aren't a lot of people like you left in the government. Uh, the Biden administration is, uh, I don't know if he's even there. You look at the fiasco in Ukraine. Uh, you mentioned Algeria earlier talking about uh, in the past. I don't think France is having a good day in Africa currently either. There was just a coup in Gabon. The military took over. Yeah. They said the election was fraudulent. Uh, the French have been thrown out of Chad. They're being thrown out of Niger, it looks like. Um, then you've got this conflict between the RSF and SAF in Sudan and Ethiopia has built a big dam that's cutting off the water supply to Egypt and Sudan. And there's conflict all over Africa and France is still stuck in the middle of it in West Africa. And they're having a, mm -hmm. a, a hard time there, but there aren't a lot of people like you to handle this. And I'm seeing all these Republicans and I can see the Democrats too, needing some sort of like giant distraction. If they can't reanimate COVID, Hey, let's pick a war. Let's pick a fight with the cartels. This could really happen. And it seems like in their head, their fantasy land is to bomb them from the air and to send into special forces. Now, I know Andre and you have talked about the fantasy yeah. of special forces, but for those who missed that episode, what's why can't you just like send in the, the guys with green faces and, and just kill all the drug dealers? Well, because because they're, they're basically light infantry. And if you're going up against, you know, the cartels by now, it sounds like have been scooping up a lot of the weapons that we sent to Ukraine. So they got the anti-tank guided missiles. They got some shoulder-fired stingers. Uh, they may even actually have some mortars and some artillery pieces. So the, they're in a position that, you know, a bunch of guys who are, you know, wearing ninja gear. Uh, they have artillery pieces? Very well could. Yeah. <laughs> How did they manage that? <laughs> Dude, you know, the Beatles were wrong. They saying money can't buy you love. Bullshit. They can buy you anything, including love and artillery pieces. So, um, from Ukraine though. Oh yeah. I guess they take it apart and send all the parts and then reassemble it. Or something. You know, it, it, the, the, I never underestimate the ability of these guys to get something. I mean, that's just, what they did with ISIS. Obama sent them non-lethal aid. They go, well, if it's not put together, it's not lethal. But then yeah. they just assemble it, and now it's lethal. <laughs> well, I again, I, I kill you with anecdotes here, but I did a did an investigation of a guy who's a, a fruit farmer down in in, in California. Uh, he was in Devin Nunes district, and he was a big contributor to Republicans and Democrats. Mm -hmm. And um, it turned out he wasn't too smart. He posted on YouTube these uh, gangster corritos, the, you know the these songs that uh, they're like country western songs written for gangsters in mexico and the sang sung in spanish well he had one of these one of these famous gangster rappers in, in mexico write a song about him and then flew him up in his private helicopter to to sing and had put on a concert and then 
He also put up on his uh, webpage the, the picture of his 16-year-old nephew driving in a $250,000 Lamborghini. Now, I don't know what kind of car you got when you were 16, but I suggest it was probably not a Lamborghini. So, I mean, this is... Yeah, I shared a truck on. with my twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is all going on in the United States. And these guys, they came out of Sinaloa. So it's just, you know, we, we've got to recognize we're this thing is cross-border. It's heavily uh, entwined with business and with business, commercial, banking interests. So to untangle it, you got to be willing to willing to break some eggs. And U.S. politicians, man, they're they're at risk because a lot of their money comes from these guys. There's Sinaloa. There's the Jalisco Nueva Generacion. There's like fifteen others, seven really large cartels. Oh, yeah, they, they it keep, seems to be I, every I, I, province in Mexico. Uh, I wonder how much of the hidden economy <clears throat> in Mexico is from selling drugs. Not uh, only I drugs, guess, cartels sell weapons and things too, but mostly. I, I would say 40%. 40%. Yeah. Yeah, enormous. It, it's, enormous. it's irremovable then. I mean, that's. So let me, uh, we had, again, one of the experiences we had during my consulting years uh, in, in the Cologne Free Trade Zone at the north end of the Panama Canal is this little city called Cologne. And the Cologne Free Trade Zone is this walled city that has nothing but businesses and banks inside. No hotels, no restaurants. And the breakdown is it's about 30% Jewish, 30 to 35% Muslim, uh, you know, Lebanese, Hezbollah, some uh, some Sunni Muslims, uh, maybe 20% Asian and, and out of India. And then the, the remainder is actually Latino. So... We were asked to do, uh, there was this guy, he got jammed up. He had sent out a shipment with three other people. The container contained some heroin. So he's a little fat Jewish guy, looked like a bowling ball with feet. And his cardiologist <laughs> was in New York City. So DEA was going to pull his visa. And the guy was begging, please, I'll do anything. And they said, okay, let us audit your business. So DEA came to 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 my group. And so I went down with another retired DEA guy and we audited this business. So this guy was in a 3000 square foot building. Okay. And what did he sell? He sold knockoff baby clothes, counterfeit designer baby clothes. This was back in, this was back in 2001. How much money do you think you could make selling knockoff baby clothes in one year? I didn't know there even was designer baby clothes. Yeah, there are. There are. 80. Or they got 80, like a Gucci onesie or something. Yeah. $80 million. That was what he did in cash. $80 million. Out of this Cologne free trade zone, you've got probably at least 3,000 businesses. He was ranked probably in the lower 20%. Hmm. He, was, he was doing by himself with his two sons one of whom we called Fredo because he just reminded you of Fredo from The Godfather. Not real bright. He was doing Did almost $100 million. Huh? Did you say Cuomo? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Fredo. Have yeah, you seen that flip out? Oh, call me Fredo. Yeah. That's like the N-word yeah. for Italians. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like, like I thought that was Italian. <clears throat> but 
But the point is, here's these guys doing almost $100 million. I, I, their businesses and they're, they're doing $2 billion. So, and not a lot, a lot of it's done in cash. A lot of it's done off the books. So it's not money that's captured in the normal economic statistics. So that's why I say what you're looking at that's going on underground in Mexico, I think it's easily 40%. I'd say same for the U.S. economy. There is an enormous black market. The volume is just, it's, it's unimaginable for most people. I actually have a onesie. It's not a, it's a designer, I guess, because I designed it, but uh, we sell these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bulldoze me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's part of our hashtag ban the ADL campaign we started yesterday. <laughs> not not our, by ourselves. Like it has like 60, 70,000 trends going on or whatever they do on X. I don't really understand Twitter because I was banned off it until Elon bought it and, uh, I finally got it back this year, but yeah, uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about Ukraine because I haven't had you on in a while and a lot has happened over there in, in the meat grinder. Zelensky, Elinsky seemed to buy another piece of property in Egypt for his mother-in-law yeah. and he's still talking about F-16s and no-fly zone and whatever. Um, but hey, man, they, they supposedly broke through the first line of defense. Yeah, that's broke not, through, man. That's not some guys snuck past it. <laughs> they haven't. They haven't even reached the first line of defense. the The Russian forces, you know, this, this, they're fighting over this little town of Robotina, and Robotina was, uh, I think, uh, maybe thirty houses. So none of the houses mm -hmm. are left standing. They've all been leveled. So the Russians today pulled out. They went up the hill. So they're occupying the higher. Uh, higher elevation, shooting down at the Ukrainians. Well, and the Ukrainians want to call that a victory. Have at it, guys, because you're they're going to they're it's like fish in a barrel now. So, do you think it, it's in a ravine? And so, it may have been a trap. They let them in there because now they're they're horseshoed. Yeah, you know, yeah. And they're just taking fire from all sides. But there was another incident in the southwest. It looked like they somebody just maybe some frogmen went across the river at night and then went and put a Ukrainian flag up, took a picture, and then ran, swam yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> they're desperate for the photo op, I suppose. They're, they're left with it's really sad what's happening. All, all they have, but, uh, all they have is some symbolic gestures. Yeah, I don't. I do you think the they keep calling it the counteroffensive? I don't know why. It's just offensive. Uh, has is it over yet? Are, are they gonna? How how many times can you run your head into the wall? Uh, they've got about another two weeks left to go. Once we hit September fifteenth, uh, the the weather's going to start turning. It'll start getting colder. Start raining. Once once the rain starts, the mud, the, the mud, the raputitsa, uh, as it's called, after uh, to symbolize virtually impassable mud. So, well, for armor, but. Wouldn't the rain help Ukraine in the sense that it would finally, you can't really fly the fixed wing aircraft and drones in the, in the rain oh, as no. well. No, they can, no, they can still fly those. Yeah. They scan. Yeah. Well, They've got, well, I mean, the, then they just slow, <laughs> slows down everything on the ground. Yeah, it's going to, it's, it, it will slow up the offensive. Uh, what, what, what passes for this? Are you defense? saying an Abrams tank that weighs like 70 tons will get stuck in the mud if we were to send them to Ukraine? That's been heard to happen. You know, it's, I, I think it's the heaviest tank 
yeah in the world yeah yeah for like how heavy it is yeah not built for mud i'm not sure what it was built for uh sounds other than profiteering sounds like that old they're using why who came up with this offensive plan is this millie and austin it's just well, first of all, when it's not working, you should just stop doing it. But who sends transport vehicles? Columns of Bradleys is so bad they made a movie about it, Pentagon Wars, with like one leopard or two leopards and a minesweeper and a whole column of Bradleys. Bradleys are like, to, if you look at the Gulf Wars, when the U.S. did lose troops, it was in the Bradley with the aluminum walls and everything. Like, who's coming up with these war plans? Yeah, this uh, NATO planners. Thank them very much. You know what? I had until you that diversity I, I, at work, or like, how do you end up with a plan that stupid? Well, until you mentioned it right now, I had not thought about this, but you remember the reports from last February, March, about the twenty-four miles, forty miles of Russian tanks and vehicles lined up on those roads north of Kiev. Well, they can do that because they had the air defense to protect well, them. Well, but the point was they were lined up and none of this destruction that you've seen take place in southern Ukraine with the Russians just blowing the hell out of these Ukrainian vehicles. You never saw any of that up north of uh, Kiev. Again, why? I've also been making a big point that these defensive lines that the Russians built. Well, tell people why. Well, because the Ukrainians had no ability to attack them. They didn't have fixed wing aircraft. They didn't have rotary wing aircraft. They didn't have guys on the ground capable of going up and using anti-tank guided missiles. It was all, you know, the Russians were there. But the javelin. Yeah. <laughs> and the javelin. Yeah, it didn't work. So the you got to get pretty close, like 300 meters away to use a javelin. That was such an overhyped. Yeah, the commercial for that weapon, but they could have. Uh, who makes that? What, what it exposed? Complete weaponry. But now the the Russians started building these defensive lines last October. At no point, at no point in the last yeah. six, seven, eight months, did anybody try to attack those lines as they're being built? I mean, can you imagine if you're building a house? And I'm sitting three blocks away with a mortar. Every time you try to put up a wall, I'm going to fire at you and blow your wall up. You get a little discouraged of trying to build the house. Well, we didn't. We didn't even try to do that, and the Ukrainians didn't do it. Why? Again, they don't have the weapon systems to do it. And it's just this is more. This is more evidence of their incapability. And now they're proving again that they, they uh, couldn't use the HIMARS. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that, I mean, that's that's the what they sell to the public is. Oh, they've got all these NATO weapons. We got. I I feel bad for the Leopard because I feel like it's not. It's actually not a bad tank. It's just tanks don't win against minefields, artillery, and helicopters. The tank. It, look, it's just it, not it's what long, it's designed to do. As long as you're going up against unarmed women and children, you know, people in, uh, let's say, Palestinian camps, great, great weapon. Yeah, you know, but. You know, if you got somebody can actually fight back against it, ooh, <laughs> problems. Well, they can level buildings, but yeah, it's just it's mobile artillery. That's all it is. Yeah, it's mobile artillery with armor, but they're vulnerable from the air, especially. And the Russian has those, I call them those hopper mines. They go up, like shoot up in the in the air, and then zip down on the top of the tank. Some nasty stuff. Yeah. It's. Uh, I thought we had all the toys. Yeah. I thought we had all the cool weapons. 
We've got you all spend the money. This is the, the line you get all the time. American GDP. America spends more money than all these other militaries put together. Like spending more makes it stronger instead of just more expensive. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard my line where I said, you know, Donald Trump says, we got the best military in the world. And I said, no, we don't. We got the most expensive military in the world. Yeah. And so we've, we've built a Lamborghini. If I pay $500 for this pencil, is it better than all the other pencils? Yeah. Yeah. We, we built it's a, just more expensive. We built a, a Lamborghini style military that doesn't have tires. It's just as fragile as a Lamborghini, oh, too. Yeah. I don't understand that, those high performance cars. Well, you know, one of the streams have good. Oh, we had some uh, RM Jinzu sent in five bucks. It says, "Glad to see Larry back on the show." Salute, hoping for some great questions from the crew. And then there was one other one from Jed Z says, "W Ryan Dawson L to Warhawks." That means win and loss. Uh. <laughs> he said, "Larry's a massive wealth of knowledge and experience. Don't miss your opportunity to ask him questions." And then he gives instructions how to do that. KGB Josh says, W Dawson, W Larry, W Topic, can the U.S. really send troops to Mexico to engage the cartels? I think we sort of answered that like well, before I saw you ask they, it. They, but. they could, but it, you know, we get them killed and then it create an international incident with the Mexicans. And, you know, we, you know this is not uh, John, Jack, Jack Black, uh, you know, Jack Pershing, Black Jack Pershing chasing Pancho Villa across the Rio Grande. No, this is much different. Enterprise. Well, that is that was 1916, I think. Yeah. That didn't work either. No, true. Never caught him. <laughs> yeah, it was like the no. 4,000 cavalry looking for Geronimo, and finally they just kidnapped his family and blackmailed him to go to. I think the, send him to that the last time we successfully in invaded Mexico was 1848. Mm -hmm. And that, and most of that. Um, was Mexico only because it was colored in on a map. Like most of the West Texas and North Mexico is still Comanche territory until the 1870s. But we had, you know, Ulysses Grant and Robert E. Lee both fighting together in that. Yeah. With Lee outranking him yeah. in spades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they, you can credit Lee for his, his, uh, engineering abilities, his way of getting across those, uh, what was supposed to be impassable. And surprising them, but yeah, that's why Wilford Scott wanted Lee to to lead the Union Army. But there was no way Lee could turn his back on Virginia when his father had been a governor of the state. Right, right. right. <laughs> Ian Hess just sent four hundred and fifty dollars. It says, as promised. Hopefully, this covers you for the Japanese membership. Yeah, I had a shakedown with the Yakuza this week. Oh, good. I had to pay him about eight hundred and something. It ended up being about two thousand dollars. Good lord. Yep. You can't, they run all the real estate in Osaka and it's gotten worse because of COVID. And I just don't feel like re explaining it, but it is, is over and done with. Don't have to mess with that anymore. So, but that's what he's referring to. But that, hey, he just covered almost half <laughs> of the initial stuff. Yeah. Generous soul. Yeah. My wife went down there and dealt with that because she was afraid I would uh, get hot headed because I probably would have. Let's see. Any other ones? Antonio13642 says, Dead Lincoln Times. Somebody sent a $5 bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call it. 
yeah the the question we talked about special forces and airstrikes but what about a full-on military invasion i don't think the mexican government would be too happy about that either like mexican not just the cartels they just know who, who wants that you know yeah. that's how you lose territories yeah the, the spe you know special by a distinguished between special forces green beret who their their primary mission is to go work with foreign fighters to train those fighters in guerrilla war tactics uh, they are not a black, black, what I mean, a highly top secret operation. Then you get the special operations forces, which includes like Delta Force and SEAL Team 6 and uh, the Night Flyers uh, out of Fort Campbell. Those are more classified. They don't always divulge what they're, you know, you know the Delta Force is known as CAG, uh, Combat Applications Group. Um, so, um, they, again, they're good at hostage rescue. Uh, they're not good at attacking an entrenched conventional military force. They'll get outgunned. Are they going to get Zelensky? Uh, no. You no. said hostage rescue. Yeah, so. well, <laughs> yeah, they very well could be sent in to try to save him, maybe. Uh, it, wouldn't, it would not be unheard of that, uh, you know, the polling duty for uh, executive protection is one of the things they've done. I had a one of my friends was a U.S. ambassador in Sarajevo back during the Bosnian Civil War in 98, 99. And uh, he, he had a, one month he had Delta forces as bodyguards and next month SEAL Team 6. So, you know, you got to see both the, the Army and the Navy side of the special operations world. But that's another one of their missions that they've carried out. But, you know, they, they don't have magical powers to defeat conventional armies. And if they mm -hmm. if Mexico is sitting there with with cannons, tanks and that kind of thing, they'll, they'll, they'll get smoked. Mm. Well, I, you know, there shouldn't be holes in the wall and they should start making examples out of John Deere, whoever these corporations that are that they know are complying with the cartels clamp down on the banks too. I just don't see any politician with the grit to do that because, again, they're going to send money. All these companies to Congress and all that. All these yeah. companies buy the you know we got the best Congress money can buy, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, could you offset one interest and in it's like maybe the weapons industries send more money than the cartels, so they're going to go and pick a fight. It just, I don't know why. Why are they all saying, "Hey, I'm going to um." I think we should use the military against the cartels for what who who profits from that yeah well it's just it's it's a sign of impotence you know for them uh these these weapons are like viagra trying to deal with their flaccid ability to consummate anything with the cartels and, and the reality again the prescription is very simple but it's costly take out their money stop the money flow you choke them. Uh, my my partner once did, ran a scam against the Kali cartel, so they've been sending all they they used all this drug money to buy out a, a, a container full of cars, brand new cars like BMWs, and uh, so they pulled them aside. They waited till there was a hurricane coming in, then they ostensibly put the cars on board that uh, ship, and then reported the ship the cargo lost at sea. And in fact, what they did was mm -hmm. they, they distributed the cars around to various police departments in the state of Florida for them to drive. <laughs> <laughs>
So, but the cartel hired uh, a, a recovery vessel to go out and try to locate and recover the cars because they'd spent money on That's them. Similar to what Kushner did in uh, in Atlantic City, he bought he bought cars for all these mob officials. Yeah. You know, you're saying earlier, take out when they're like, oh, let's take out the head guy. You mentioned Algeria. Some some of the cartels and some of like, you know, organized crime in the United States, the guy you think is the boss isn't the boss. The guy that's making all the noise, the best people in the mob are the ones that are really bringing in a lot of money like. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Michael Francine, who's reformed now and not a criminal, but he was making a lot of money on his on his gasoline scam and but everybody was on john Gotti, and because he's in the magazines and he's also in the prison uh the guys getting all the attention aren't the real the ones yeah. that are the the most prominent it's the guys you don't even know their name they don't uh they don't showboat they just make their money and stay quiet low profile and so imagine yeah. low profile keep it off the radar and and we love it when someone else does want all the attention like really what do you want do you want the you know the multi-million dollar lifestyle and all that or do you need to have the fame like are you so insecure you need everybody to know your name if so i mean that's the quickest way to get caught quickest way to have other people turn on you pick quickest yeah. way to people to do something to you to get the clout away from you and so on so it's the but quiet somebody, ones you got to worry if, about if someone sort of wants to understand the the whole lifestyle. I, I do recommend the show on Netflix, Narcos. I got uh, two seasons in uh, Colombia, one season in Mexico. And I knew a bunch of the people, you know, 30 to 40% of the show. Escobar. Yeah, but it starts with Escobar. Then it goes to the Cali cartel and those guys being brought down. But, you know, they've got Ambassador and then Ambassador Crosby. Well, that was Ambassador Busby. And I worked for Buzz. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the CIA chief of stations in the sh in the show is nothing at all like the real CIA chief of station. That, that guy's name was Bill. He was a friend of mine. Uh, so it's just I knew a bunch of the guys. And uh, the, the thing is, you know, thirty to forty percent of it's accurate. The other sixty percent's Hollywood. But it does give you a good flavor of sort of the lifestyle, the culture. That's not exaggerated. That's a high percentage for Hollywood. Yeah, they got to um, because they usually about 99% Hollywood. Yeah. Like uh, the movie Braveheart. Awesome movie. Totally inaccurate <laughs> historically, yeah, right. but a really great movie. I love the window scene where he throws the guy. Um, yeah, that's that's something else. Narcos. Is that still on Netflix? Oh, yeah. 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 It's it is still, it's popular. The, the third season of Narcos deals with the uh, kidnapping and murder of Kiki Camarena. And that actually is very. There's a television show that accurately, scarily accurately depicts the White House in D.C. It's called Gotham. If you know the Batman series, yeah, like yeah. Gotham, that's basically everyone's corrupt. The police commissioner, the judges, the everybody. <laughs> it's like to ridiculous, campy Batman villain level. But what's odd is the stuff that was just, you know, comic book exaggeration stuff in say the 60s or 70s isn't that far off from some real things that happen today right right there was an instance in batman where they shut it all down because of a virus i'm like wow <laughs> here we are <laughs> the penguin man that's hunter biden he's just never yeah he's always number two never the worst one and always pleases his <laughs> way out of everything call him the penguin <laughs> yeah very well accurate 
Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's a solution for the cartels that there is, like you outlined, but how will we ever do that without the right people? And how can we get the right people when, when we have these people? Yes, we're going to use lethal force. Yes, we reserve the right to operate. I would use the U.S. military, if necessary, to annihilate the Mexican drug cartel. And it's now time for America to wage war on the... Now, when he says wage war in the cartel, that might not have been gun war. It could oh, have been take out their money, metaphorical. Whatever. Take, yeah, take, take out their out money, the money, maybe. Because that I'm looking at that, I go, that might be out of context because it's Trump, and that's what everybody does yeah. to him. So we'll leave that. But the Vivek, you know, I had some hope for him because he was the only guy. There's three people that are against the war in Ukraine, allegedly him, RFK Jr., and Donald Trump. That's it. Everybody else thinks things are going swimmingly. Yeah. Even DeSantis. I think he, he was like, well, I'll give him less money, but still supporting the war. That's what we have. 300 and something million people. And these jabronis are the best there is. Nikki Haley, who might as well run for the Knesset. Uh, one guy showed up with an Israeli flag lapel pen for some reason to an American debate to become president. Uh <laughs> He's like, donors, look, I'm wearing it here. A little bit too over the top. Why is the, 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 the level of our, our politicians, we, we have all these smart people. I mean, just the sheer numbers, yeah. hundreds of millions of people. Where are the, like the engineers and the business people and the, you know, the brains? Why are they completely devoid from politics? We get these clowns that get up there like Mike Pence with very, canned rehearsed answers you know uh he reminds me of captain murphy from c labs uh and that's not a good thing yeah how is that the best we have well is there some filtering mechanism like nah just no one intelligence allowed on the stage what's going on uh, we we have lost the concepts of accountability and the commitment to excellence since you know the Anybody that really speaks their mind and, and tries to tell the truth uh, is immediately attacked. You know, think, think of it this way, like with respect to Russia and Ukraine. Can, can you identify any politician right now that can stand up and say, look, not only do we need to bring this war to a halt, but we need to sit down and talk with Russia. Anybody that proposes that, including RFK, is immediately attacked as a surrender monkey. And as Tulsi a, Gabbard, yeah, kind of with us, he, she talked to Assad in Syria, and they were like, "Oh, oh, oh you can't do that." Yeah. Um, maybe Thomas Massey. I don't know. So there's very few. It, it comes with the price, and people people generally are cowards. They don't want to pay the price. You know, it's. Uh, but why couldn't we attack back? You know, oh, you don't want to do that. We go, yeah, we do. Why do you want to get all these people killed? It's it's as if. That part of the story isn't allowed on TV, isn't allowed on social media. Well, I know Ritter has been banned a bunch of times. I've been banned a bunch of times. A lot of the like, they'll call it pro-Russia. I would just call it anti-war. You're not allowed to speak realistically about the situation. Yeah, there's um, it, and it's like, well, I'll, it's not that I'm a coward. I'll do it anyway. But if I get banned, because right now we're on Rumble, I'm not allowed on YouTube. I'm not allowed on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed on Instagram. I just now got back on Twitter. 
can't use any of the mainstream stuff. We really have to clean up free speech before we can solve anything else. You don't want this with the cartel. You don't want this stupid wall with holes in it. You don't want war in Ukraine. You don't want to aid ISIS and Syria. Well, all that's going to stay how it is until we fix the media, because you can't fix politics until you fix the press. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one one, one way to attack it is both with humor and with the, using whatever social media is out there. I'll give you an example. Uh, humor. Do you remember? Do you remember Dave Chappelle when he uh, did the black? He was the black leader of the Ku Klux Klan. Hey, yeah, was he blind? He's also, blind. Yeah. So the blind guy yeah, who's leading the Ku Klux Klan, but he's black. So I, I'd like to update that. He divorced his wife for being a nibble lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to update that to have uh, the head of the Ku Klux Klan endorsing Planned Parenthood because he loves their program to conduct so many abortions in the black neighborhoods and to make sure that Ooh, not, is there still a head of the Klan? I mean, I, is that I even a I don't know, but, active, but it would be, I don't even know if there is a Klan anymore. I, I had proposed this to somebody who was uh, active in the anti-abortion movement and initially thought it was a great idea, but then someone said, Oh, no, we can't. We can't uh, upset somebody with the clan. I said, "Dude, I'm going to give that idea to Fuentes." Yeah, he's a, there's this toxic guy. He's not in the clan, but they hate him anyway. So, yeah, I'll tell him. Why don't you just endorse this and say, "Yeah, I, I like that." It's more points. Yeah, no, I mean it's just That's awful. Uh, and, well, hey. it, and the, the point of doing that would be to awaken the black community to the fact that these white liberals. Are conducting an extermination cam campaign against them uh, under the guise of oh we're anti-racist you know it's ridiculous they're they're the worst kind of racist oh you scratch a liberal you find a racist yeah. and they're and they're and they're, and they're murdering they're murdering children in the process and nobody nobody cares so that, mm. that's one way to you know that's one way i'd, I'd go at it uh but are there some good comedians you'd recommend? I like I I know Ryan Long maybe. Uh, who's that ginger? His last name is Sears. JP or JC or oh, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The. Uh, Do you know is it JC Sears? Uh, I yeah, I thought it was JP. Long Sears. red hair. JP Sears. JP Sears. I think it's JP Sears. Um, the uh, who was I hearing just the other day? Uh. He's a Saturday. Ryan Long did a really good one on racist versus anti-racist, how, how they both define people by their biology. And it's like they're all talking at the same time. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, this entire, just the absurdity of trying to judge, to classify people according to the depth of melanin in their skin, please. You know, they go, I have to register as white. Well, that's white. Mm -hmm. Am I that color? No, I, I'm not white. <laughs> it's just Larry Bird by himself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. It was Bill Murray. He's like, Larry's not, Michael, they were playing golf or something. And he, and he said, like, it's because I'm white. Is that why I can't play? Michael Jordan is like, Larry's white. He plays because Larry's not white. Larry's clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but. I think, yeah, humor is a good way to go at it. And the right hasn't really capitalized on that for the same reason. If you want to be on Comedy Central, if you want to be promoted, if you want to be on SNL, if you want to get on The Late Show, you have to be on the left. And you have to do identitarian jokes. 
Well, no, you can do all the racial jokes you want as long as it's like you belong to the category you're joking about. Otherwise, you're not allowed to touch that. Yeah. That not even comedy can touch that either. But you don't see the people like uh, Sears just blew up on like YouTube. They're not allowed on and never will be allowed on TV. Yeah. Because they questioned COVID and they made fun of this and made fun of the panic. And the, the only one on sort of the networks and regular cables is Greg Gutfeld. And Gutfeld's been pretty funny. Uh, you know, he's been on some of the, uh, you know, he really goes after the. I left. think his ratings are higher than. Uh, Oh yeah, then, the then all of them. Comics. Colbert, then Fallon, then Kimmel. You know, he's higher than all of them. Oh, they're they're trash. They're not even comedians. They're political affirmers. Yeah. Let me say something anti-Trump, and everybody clap. They're not laughing. They're clapping. It's like right. I want to seek your approval by bashing the things we we all agree on. This, don't we? Uh, so there again, it's like you need social media to get these other comics out, but then they run into the censorship issue. So baby Twitter is the place. Hey, put all your comedy over there. They actually let you talk. I don't know. But I was trying to think of some others that uh, my oh, audience could support. Like, get behind these guys. Because humor is very effective. P shame works. That's why the late night comedians all reiterate whatever was just on the news. They go in and they, right. they back it up with humor to make it like, well, you don't want to be laughed at, do you? Right. Hmm. All right, well. I recommend Ryan Long. You should check him out. It's uh should be should be able to find some of his work on uh some of it's still on YouTube. You can find it through Google, I guess. Knock on wood. I think it's gonna Who get worse it? as we get to twenty twenty four. Ryan Long. Last name is Long. Yeah, he's funny. It's Rob. he's got another guy with him now. Okay, Rob, yeah, how about Rob Schneider? Have you seen what he's done? Uh, <laughs> No, but you reminded me of his friend who's now passed away. Who, uh, oh my gosh, they're going to war back there. <laughs> now I forgot what I was saying. What's Rob Schneider done recently? Well, he, he's, he's really been tearing into the COVID hoax and uh, woke. He's, he's done some, you know, cutting edge stuff that's uh, anti woke. Um, and, uh, there's right. so much material there to be anti-woke. Yeah. So much. Rob Schneider and Jim Burr, the, the chat just said. So, oh yeah, the chat's got a whole bunch of suggestions. So I'm going to scoop up these names. Jimmy Dore, I guess he's a comedian yeah. turned yeah. political yeah. commentary. Yeah. And he's pretty good on some of this stuff, except for communism. There's a couple more <laughs> gut fields in here. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 almost like you have to make your name already, like Rob did, and then suddenly turn on them and start telling jokes they don't like. Because he was already famous, he's been in some films and stuff too, and then now he's like going against the COVID. I, I'm more of it, man. Make fun of these toilet paper hoarders and the branch covidiots and stuff I, all day. Right, that, right. You cannot let that slide. Two years of being locked down. All these non-essential businesses that got shut down for, you know, a bad cold, basically. The flu disappeared. No one was allowed to talk. They censored doctors. And, like, how credible is the science when there's only one answer that's allowable and it's based on politics? Right, right. 
there's nothing there. Norm McDonald was killing it before he passed away. Uh, for my, I like George Carlin and, and then I like the, that kind of highbrow stuff, but then Norm McDonald would just, <laughs> I don't know that his delivery, there was something in the way he would do things, saying things that are obvious. And he act like, wow, look at this. I read this history book and it turns out the good guys won every time. What are the odds? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I just sent you in the you chat. Find one here? I just sent you the uh, Rob Schneider where he destroys. Oh, Fauci. Rob Schneider. Oh, yeah. St. <laughs> Fauci definitely needs to be taken down a peg. Yeah, no, he, he just. Absolutely. He, he, I'm going to put he, that he, in an interview. He decimates Fauci. So it's, it's very funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I've taken a lot of your time. I can talk to you forever. I think we covered Mexico pretty well. We'll do a Ukraine update, just uh, like just Ukraine stuff later yeah um looks like a couple more weeks of this offense of them running their head no it's so sad it's just all these young boys all in his boys at this point like 17 year olds and stuff now just getting waxed and it needs to end and you know scott horton pointed this out with judge napolitano the u.s could end it and only the u.s could end it yeah i mean we we cut we cut off they say guys there's no more coming it'd be over in 24 48 hours so did you ever see? So that? when Trump said, "I'd end that in 24 hours," that's actually possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're did like, you, "How are you going to do that?" It's like simple. Did Did you ever see the HBO series The Wire? No. Okay, great. It's good. Mean, it, it's fabulous. It's it really it really gets into the drug trafficking world of inner city Baltimore, white, black, the whole the Ooh. whole nine yards. But they've got this. They've got this one son of the guy who's in charge of the, the dock workers, the union boss. And the son is just a goofball. And so uh, there's this big, big muscular guy that, you know, can just beat the crap out of everybody. And so two, two of the guys start pimping the kid. They say, oh, yeah, you can take him. We heard he's afraid of you. Yeah, go, go punch him, man. You'll take him. So the kid believes him. That's Ukraine. So... Yeah, you go. Yeah, you're gonna kill the Russians. Go get them. Okay, and they go out and they just they just get their it's, ass. Uh, it's Marvin beat. Frazier versus Tyson. Yeah, ass beat. Oh, you're Joe Frazier's kid. Like that matters. You'll take him. That was the worst beating. That was probably the prime Mike Tyson. Also, that he was stepping in there with, but yeah, it was awful. Yeah, it was well, like just haymaker after that's haymaker. What, that's what we're dealing with. Uh, Ukraine is over. You know, it's a complete mismatch. They don't. It doesn't matter how much more you know courage they have, how much desire to fight they have, you know. They definitely have those two things. You can have courage and desire, and if you're Peter Dinklage and going to go fight Mike Tyson, you're still going to get your ass kicked. So you know, you know, you're a three foot four dwarf, and you're going to go up against Mike Tyson. Sorry. Oh, you can't say dwarf. Uh, he know. gets real angry about that. Well, <laughs> they had Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and only one dwarf was a dwarf. And they just identify as a dwarf now. It's so stupid. <laughs> I'm so sick of this stuff. Like, that movie's gonna flop. What happened? It's so woke. And I heard. Oh, did it come out already? Yeah. Oh, that's good news. Well, I've been saying that. I hope you know Disney. You said earlier. Who doesn't want to go to Disney World? And now it said under my breath, straight people. Um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah, I can, I, I can people say, who don't want their kids talking to a princess with a mustache. I, I personally have never been, and I, it's on on my bucket list never to go. 
So, um, it was like, and I mean like 30 years ago, it was pretty cool. And the one in Tokyo is okay. Cause it doesn't have any of this garbage. Um, I think universal studios stuff for better as far as attractions or whatever, but Disney, you know, it's, it isn't what it used to be, right? They used to have very traditional gender roles, all that stuff, fun stories, fun cartoon characters, pretty wholesome, wasn't political, stayed out of that mess. It was just like funny, you know, mouse, dog, duck kind of stuff. And they would do, I think the last film Walt Disney was involved with was The Jungle Book. And they took some Han Christian Andersen uh, stories like Little Mermaid and, and things and made them into pretty entertaining movies. But they would all, they always would over-sexualize teenage girls. I mean, it was a little weird with Belle and Ariel and stuff. These like big busted 16-year-old cartoon girls and stuff. But whatever. It's That's that's like that whole genre of superheroes and stuff. They're all like jacked and perfect looking yeah, or whatever. But, yeah. um, but man, it went, if you could criticize in that and eh, whatever, it went so far downhill with, uh, with Eisner. And then who's there now? It, it doesn't matter. Like some of the executives and stuff got his busted for child porn, got arrested. Oh. They've got this weird, like 20 story underground, city underneath the park what the hell's going on down there i don't know i'm glad desantis took away their uh special status with taxes though yeah. i'll give him i'll give him that like yeah you can you have to pay taxes like everyone else see i would have done i wish it was the other way where we could all be like disney and no one have an income tax but yeah. repeal the 16th <laughs> But if they, if we have to pay tax, they have to pay tax. But I would like, no, give us all that all. Get rid of the income tax and replace it by not starting pointless wars. Boy. There's a few trillion dollars they spent on Iraq. Six trillion maybe over the course of the years, you know. You There's the deficit. Just imagine what that money would have done if it has been spent on developing infrastructure and making sure that uh, kids were not growing up in poverty. You know, I can't even, I can't imagine what the influx of $6 trillion spent domestically would look like, or if it just hadn't been taken. Yeah. In the hadn't first been place. taken. Yeah, exactly. Just, just let people have their money. Then they'd have the unemployment be gone. Like if you got rid of the income tax, <laughs> you know, someone just got a uh, 33% or 35% increase. They're going to hire more people or going to pay the people to have more, or they'll just spend more. Right. And by, you know, somebody, it, the the money supply would be expanded and you wouldn't have unemployment. It just it gets eaten up by government and wasted in these little tiny circles of the weapons industries and stuff. And when you shoot a million and a half dollar missile like a tomahawk, I think the price is over a million now. And then it just blows up a restaurant or whatever, and then it's gone. You don't get to use it again or anything. It's just there's a million dollars up in smoke. Mm -hmm. Useless. And they still don't even have hypersonic. Yeah. No, and I think there's only one supersonic, the Sidewinder. Well, Do you have another one? They're, wor they're, wor they're supposed to develop and test by the end of this year. I was, I'm on a chat group with a guy that's directly involved with the project. He's the program manager. Supersonics. Yeah, the hypersonic. Oh, a hypersonic. Yeah. Well. But you know, remains to be seen if it'll actually test successful. So. Well. Well, hey, thanks. You know, thanks for having me. 
I'm yeah. I'm like I I would be satisfied if we would actually arrest shoplifters and get drag queens out of elementary schools. My bar is pretty low, and I'm not worried about supersonic missiles. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you can you get the strippers out of fourth grade? And when someone's openly shoplifting, can they actually go to prison for that instead of just taking a garbage bag at the iPhone store, loading it up, and walking away? Yeah. It's uh, if if a politician got on stage and said that, like we're actually going to arrest shoplifters. And yeah, no more sexualizing children. People standing ovation. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. That, Nobody cares about Ukraine or any it, of that. It's, just, it's, it's starting to swing. The pendulum is starting to swing back. Uh, people are fed up with it. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. All right. Well, I love talking to you. Hey, well, uh, I'm going to end it with Lockheed. I'll let you go. All right. We'll see you later. Talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Peace. Later. Read Martin. Grab producer and five. Patriotic projectile party poppers. Got some up in the brown people making trouble for your empire? Replace them with a charred freighter and a cloud of white smoke. So remember, if your next geostrategic boondoggle is going to ride, don't call us, we'll call you. Got one from RM Jimzu says, don't forget to read the super chats. I'm reading them. And Larry Johnson is the best. He called it. Day one, he said, Ukraine's going to run out of personnel. You can throw in all the money. You can dump all the obsolete NATO gear there. Give them the new stuff. They're going to run out of ammo eventually, but they're definitely going to run out of personnel because that's hard to replace. You can't just grow a baby 18 years. KGB Josh says it would be nice if politicians would wear their donors or sponsors like NASCAR drivers. I think some comedian said that too, and I think it was Carlin. He's like, yeah, they just walk in there. Michael Moore said that. Like, walk in there. It says like Raytheon here and Northrop Grumman here. And, you know, all of them would have a Lockheed hat. Antonio, been a board. Oh, interesting. Been a border patrol agent for about 16 years. I worked border under Obama. Politicians are 100% involved with cartels and moving people to congressional districts. Losing populations is a census scam. All right. Jim Zeus, I have a Ukraine question for Larry. Oh, he, well, he's gone, but I'll. He, I'll definitely have him on again to talk about Ukraine. I have a Ukraine question for Larry. How does the end of this end, this unnecessary war? Oh, well, how will it come about realistically? How do they stop this senseless loss of life? Thanks, Larry. How does it end? That is a great question to ask him next time he's on. Moonshot32 says, <laughs> funk isn't real. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. And let's go over to Odyssey. Nothing. Entropy. Nothing. Power chat. Ian Hess with the 450. Stud. Stud donation there. All right. Um, man, great interview. Solid. Thanks for your questions. Here's Donald Trump. Hey, next question. What is it, CNN? Oh, you want a question? Are you a piece of shit? Yes, you are. Next question. MSNBC? Um, yeah, fuck yourself. Um, Wapo, Wapo, Wapo. Why isn't your hand raised, Wapo? Did, did, was, was, was I mean? Was I mean to you? Was I mean to you? Did, did, did Russia show up at your house, Wapo? It's, it's okay. You can go home and cry on your dick-shaped pillow. Next question. <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs>